Good morning. Welcome to Spruce Grove Community Church. If you're visiting with us today, welcome. This is a house of worship. And the reason we worship is this, is because God is looking for those who worship in spirit and in truth. In fact, worship is an expression of faith that causes God's presence to come to come here, to come into the room, to fill this place. In fact, on a macro level, around the earth, picture this. Imagine, imagine it never rained unless people believed it to rain. Imagine the earth never got its nourishment. The trees were never refreshed with the waters of heavens unless called upon. What if the amount of rain that fell on the earth was dictated by how much of what we believed, how much faith, how much worship drew him to the earth? That's the equation that exists today, that the presence of God, the knowledge of God, the amount of the knowledge of God that is in the earth is dependent upon the believing community and how much they pull it down by faith, by believing. Faith isn't just a vague notion that, hey, God exists. Faith is a capacity to pull him in to our world. And that's why we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's why God is looking for worshipers. So you're not incidental in the equation of the kingdom of God increasing today. You are the epicenter of the kingdom of God increasing in the earth today. Your draw on God not only blesses your life, but actually blesses our community today. So welcome to Spruce Grove Community Church. We're going to worship God. And I would encourage you to let that dependency, let that cry, let that hunger for God. Let it be released because he's looking for places on the earth to land. And we want him to land right here in Spruce Grove. We want Spruce Grove and Parkland County to stand out as an anomaly of the knowledge of the glory of God as it covers the earth, as it fills this place even before anywhere else. Amen? All right, so let's worship him. Let me encourage you today to continue to lift up your sound because, you know, you may think that we are just in a church in a building in Spruce Grove and we're just singing to create a pleasant atmosphere in order to encourage us to go another week serving God. But that, that is not really God's full intention. That's a great starting point. God blessing you, God increasing your life, God getting you to the point where you're walking in the promises, that's great. But more than that, God is, God is establishing his kingdom on earth through a people. And the Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not natural. That means that they're not the, uh, they're not the arms of, of visible things, that they're actually invisible weapons that manifest his name. And right now in the nation of Canada, there's a battle going on for the future of our children and our children's children. There's a battle going on that, that we cannot retreat from. And God, the Holy Spirit, is looking to and fro over the face of the earth for those who will be part of this battle to establish the government of God. And again, I know I've shared this before, but we have to realize that worship is warfare. You know, when Israel was inheriting their land, it said at every place their foot will tread. Every place their foot touched on the ground, that, that act of them putting their foot on a piece of ground established their rule over it. Is it possible to get more volume up here? The kingdom of God is increased through worship. When Israel was battling in the trenches, that wasn't insignificant when they were facing the Amalekites, but it was, it was Moses on the hill lifting his hands to God that caused the retreat 
or the advance of the armies of God. There is a convergence between spiritual and natural efforts. And I mean, there are things that we are doing in the area of evangelism. There are things that we're doing in the marketplace. I mean, there are voices that are speaking in government and speaking to the courts. And there are, I mean, there's all, there's a multifaceted advance of the kingdom of God. But it's all in vain if there isn't a church that is worshiping and releasing the kingdom of heaven on earth. This kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. Can you say amen? Amen. And I mean, your voice matters. Your voice, your sound. When you say, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. When you say that and actually believe it, it releases something into the air. There's a reason why we're called to gather together and to worship collectively. There's a reason why, you know, you can come away from a morning like this and feel refreshed. And it's not because nice songs were sung. Okay? Because I guarantee you, you could go to the radio and listen to better stuff. I mean, there are more talented people in Las Vegas in the bars. I mean, it's not the pleasantness of the music and the excellence of the professionalism of the music. It's the release of spirit and life. And God is raising up a people who understand that the things which are seen are made up of the things which are not seen. And the things which are not seen, you have authority over. And they are released by the sound of faith that comes from your mouth. And the church in Canada has been silent. We've been silent in the media. We've been silent in the realm of education. We've been silent in the realm of, the, of laws and governance. And it's time that your voice be heard. And there's a clarion call that's going out to the, Bible, the, to the, to the government of God, to the children of God, to say, lift up your voice. Now, a little, a little over four and a half years ago, one of my friends, you know him from Washington State, was here and he gave us a prophetic word. And I, I desperately hoped it was going to be wrong. He said, Alberta is about to go into a very difficult season. I mean, he said that at the height of everything economically. I mean, things were, were bustling in the job sector, in the oil sector. He said, Alberta is about to go through a season of, of, of a number of very difficult years. How many of you would say that came, that's come to pass? And that's not a word I wanted to hear. And that, I was hoping he was misguided. I was hoping he was thinking, you know, uh, maybe you're thinking Washington. But he just gave me a prophetic word. I just got it on Wednesday as I came back from Uganda. And this is, this is what he said. He said, today I was reminded of a huge turnaround that will take place in Canada, in the people and government. I also felt that Canada will once again release the Father's heart toward an untold number of nations, including the United States. While many have seen Canada as a country that is slipping away into a darkened state, I see her coming forth with a burning torch blazed with a fresh new fire that will consume the works of the enemy at a level never before witnessed. I also see a picture of a man and a woman running side by side to carry a torch that will ignite a fire for the new Olympic period in 2020. This is when some of God's, some of the greatest people of God will emerge for such a time as this. Let me say that again. I, this has been running in my spirit. I believe we are about to see the fulfillment of that prophetic word of dread champions that was given by Bob Jones more than 20 years ago. Uh, a generation of dread warriors overcoming saints, excellent ones, champions. Oh, Father, let it be so. This is what it says. This is when some of the greatest people of God will emerge for such a time as this. He says, a new frontier of a great awakening is 
coming upon your life. This is me personally. Upon your life, your home, and your ministry in the kingdom of God. I believe. I believe for such a time as this. That there are anointings. There are giftings. There is an authority. You see, we live, we have lived in a season where the kingdom of God has established systems of justice in Canada. But voices has been scurrying and operating and working in the darkness to, to un, undo those structures. And the foundations of justice and democracy and freedoms are being undermined at this time. Now listen, when those systems are in place, when those things are in order, all you need to be is have some initiative and some intelligence and you will prosper. But when those systems are eroded, what we need is a manifestation of the kingdom of God. There is darkness afoot in the nation. There is darkness crouched on the borders of Canada. This is not a battle that can be won uh, by, by articles written with skillful knowledge and information. This is a battle that must be won by a manifestation of the glory of God. That by the manifestation of light. The establishment of the kingdom of God. The establishment of the light of Christ comes on the lives of a people who know the power of the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, we say today, we say today, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, come on, in the name of Jesus, Hold on, before we do this, there's a scene in the movie uh, Lord of the Rings where Gandalf is facing what is uh, the equivalent of a demonic spirit. And he stands on that bridge and he, he, he puts his staff down. He says, you shall not pass. I want you to know that this is that kind of moment in Canada. This is that kind of moment. We don't battle with flesh and blood. My, my problem is not an elected official who doesn't have the same political philosophy as me. I mean, that's a factor, but that's not my real problem. The church, the church is called to battle against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. And the weapons of our warfare are not political. They're not social. They are spiritual, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I encourage you, church, let's lean into God right now. Let's lean into God as if you were that voice that said in the name of Jesus, you shall not pass. In the name of Jesus, you will not enter this nation. We stand on guard for Canada. We stand on guard for Canada. We stand on guard for Canada. We join every other church We join every other worshiping congregation in this nation. We join in one spirit to say, in the name of Jesus, Canada is a nation whose God is the Lord. Canada, Canada is a nation whose God is the Lord. Canada is a nation whose God is the Lord. Can you say that? Canada is a nation whose God is the Lord. Listen, there are three significant events that are coming up in the next six months that all have to do with contending for the destiny of our nation. One of them is going to be in Ottawa, one of them is going to be in New Brunswick, and one of them is right here in Edmonton, May 15th to 19th. And the Edmonton event is called Stand on Guard. Of those, I mean, if you're part of our church, you know that uh, we were in North Battleford for 10 days earlier in the fall. But, uh, but this is a critical moment. The event in Ottawa is a convergence of a number of national ministries that are coming together uh, with the cry, with the watchman for the nations, with the Stand on Guard. I mean, there's a host of leaders who are coming together in the political capital of our nation. Now listen, 
We just came from Africa. We just came from a refugee camp of 87,000 people, largely Congolese, because civil war is raging in their nation. And, uh, and you may think, yeah, that's all, how terrible that is. And you might even be uh, compassionate enough to want to do something about it. But let me tell you, these things don't happen except by the movement of principalities and powers. Nations do not go to war. Civil strife, bloodshed in the streets, the loss of the ability to inhabit cities does not happen except by the advance of demonic spirits. This is not a natural war. It is a spiritual warfare evidenced by a natural warfare. I mean, we see this even with Jerusalem. They were conquered by the Romans and murdered and slaughtered and women's had their bellies slid open, their babies taken out from them. And it happened because Jesus said to them, you did not realize the moment of your visitation and you didn't respond to heaven coming down. You didn't respond to me coming down. This is a spiritual event that precipitated a natural event. I'm telling you, we're no better than the people of Congo. We're no better than the people of Rwanda. We're no pe- better than the World War II people of uh, Spain and, uh, and uh, Italy and, uh, and Germany. We're not better than these people. We need to rise up. This, the victory is near us. It's in your mouth. It's in what you say what you release in terms of your faith. You, and I know people say, well, you know, I believe it in my heart. Anything you believe in your heart is great, but until you make a confession with your mouth, it doesn't actually become active. Speak. Speak. Here. I, I was, you know, again, I'm going to harp on you again and again and again because your own destiny is in your hands. The release of the kingdom of God on your family, on your home, on your business, on your life, is in your hands. And I, I make this say, I said, listen, open your mouths, make a declaration. I look around the room. Only half of us, are, our mouths are even look, moving. I'm thinking, I, do we not believe this? Or are we, are we so numb? Are we so under the spirit that has moved into this land and immobilized us and silenced us that we cannot furnish enough energy to even make a sound? I mean, I'm telling you, this is the issue. This is the issue. Father, help us. Now, Jim's going to introduce a song we're going to sing here as a faith declaration. So why don't you rise with me? Let's sing the national anthem of our country, which was written at, at a time when they were explicitly honoring God and his covering over this country. So let's sing O Canada together. O Canada, our home and native land, true patriot love, in all of us
wonder if we could release a sound of victory. And the sound of victory is unmistakably the sound of a shout. And the difficulty with shouting when nobody scored a goal is there is apparently no reason to justify it for an intellect. But if you believe, but if you believe that your victory is near you, even in your mouth, if you believe that the sound of war causes the enemy to flee, if you believe that God is in you and is released by the sound of your shout, then lift up your voice with me today and shout, Hallelujah! today that there is a people rising up in Canada who have the power to shift atmospheres. God has given you access to weapons of warfare that are beyond your imagination in terms of their ability to turn a county, a city, a province, and a nation. And now is the time for the sleeping champions to arise the meek the meek not the proud the meek will inherit the earth and that's you amen hallelujah alright bless you okay our time is slipping away so we're going to be quick this morning well uh, it, was, it was a great trip for all of us God is good. God is doing things. But you know, part of the journey for us is you start to realize, and I mean, I get the chance to travel all the time, so I do this all the time, but I'm also learning the weapons that I have. And what what he discovered is that his testimony is a weapon, right? They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And so the problem with having a testimony is you have to have a challenge before you have a testimony. You know, you have to have a circumstance where the faithfulness and the abilities of God are proven. And then you share it. You know, okay? So if you want a testimony, you got to have challenges. Well, let me tell you, there's plenty of challenges to go around. And it's just a question of what are you doing to overcome them? How are you overcoming those challenges? things? How are you, how is your life progressing? What tools are in your arsenal for obtaining the kind of victory that consists in your testimony? Is it, and this is where I'm going this morning with the message, is it your resourcefulness or the resource of God? Is it, is it the power of God at work or the strength of man at work? What is at the core of your testimony? What do you, you know, when your light is shining, what are you broadcasting? You know, what, what is the message? I'm so great or God is so great? And the testimony, uh, which is the spirit of prophecy, has to be about the power of the kingdom of heaven, the life of God at work inside of you. The question is, how fully is that being realized by us? And so we're going to talk about that for a few minutes this morning. Does that sound all right? Hallelujah. Because I am convinced of this. Hmm. You may have heard me say this before. 
There's more. There is more. There is more. There is more for you. More for you to experience. More for you to walk in. And you just have to simply diagnose, okay, if there is more and I'm not experiencing more, why not? What is it that's in the way of me getting more out of this covenant? Um, I was just talking to uh, Wendy the other day. I'm not going to take a sh- ask for a show of hands how many of you have hemorrhoids, but, <laughs> but the old covenant, in, in, when, they were, when they were walking through the wilderness, none of them was barren. The shoes didn't wear out on their feet, and it said none of them had hemorrhoids. Okay. Now, I was reading about it recently for reasons that, I'll, that will remain a mystery. <laughs> And apparently, it's the most common ailment to mankind. I think it includes women. It's the most common. Yet, the provision of God for Israel, that this most common ailment in their lives was non-existent. Now, if the promise that we have, if the covenant that we have is, is a better covenant, based on better promises, then I would think that we would get at least as much as was in the lesser covenant. So, on that basis alone, are you getting everything that God promised you? And if you're not getting it, why not? Let me tell you, it's not God's fault. And, you know, we've gone over this before, but in this equation, there's two people. There's God and there's you. Yeah, God is people. Right? This is the scenario you're in. You're in a walk with God. If you're walking with God, there's you and there's God. When you are walking with a perfect God, the chances are, if there's error in the equation, it's always going to be on your side of the balance sheet. So, listen, there's no escaping this. There's no escaping this issue. That there's more that's available for all of us and God wants you to experience it. Yes. Uh, now, I'm, I'm talking right now on that personal level, but really, the greatest application, I think, is the corporate. Because I, re- I really believe, as I look at, especially coming back from Uganda, seeing these refugees, that what sustains a nation is faith in a nation. And so, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures, and then I'll come back to that. But... I've entitled this message today, Dependency, because the core of what faith really is, is dependency. And so when, when you're asking yourself, how much faith do I actually have? Ask yourself, how much dependency do I have? And that dependency is reflected in, in so many ways. But, you know, just as an example, when you have a problem, what is the first thing you do? Where do you go to first? Do you exhaust every human possibility, every possible solution? Do you, do you find people with the potential answers, or do you instinctively turn to God for virtually everything and man second? Well, you know, I, I believe in God, but I think, you know, he, he wants us to take care of ourselves. No, he doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't mean there isn't anything to do, but he wants you to draw on the power of his presence, on the administration of the kingdom of heaven. What faith does, faith is a dependency on God such that what is available to him in terms of resources is given to us. Faith draws on the supply that comes from God. And so uh, a couple weeks ago I shared about this, that the, the nature of wealth, right, the nature of wealth, what makes a civilization wealthy is not its resources, it's not its intelligence, it's not its governmental system, it is its faith. Because God is the one who gives us power to create wealth. Deuteronomy 18, 18. And so wealth doesn't come from the resources in the natural realm. Wealth comes from an invisible source that is God. God opens his hand and satisfies the need of everything, every living thing. And so that means the aggregate of faith in a nation, the amount, if you could actually sum up 
numerically somehow. If you could quantify, you have this much faith and you have this much faith. and you have, If you could quantify how much faith there is in the land. And that faith is the actual draw upon the resources of heaven. Then, then, then faith dictates the blessing that's on a nation. And that's actually how it works. Faith determines how much of God's provision comes down on a people. So that's why uh, righteousness exalts a nation. Well, faith exalts a nation. Because it draws on the supply that's there. So, let me read this here in Hebrews. Hebrews 11. Yeah, you guessed it. This is the faith chapter. It's a great chapter. I'm going to focus on verse 6, but I'm going to start in verse 1 because it's so good. Oh, yeah. It was the assignment last week? Who assigned that last week? Oh, Jim Denotter assigned that last week. The preacher from last week told you to read Hebrews 11. Isn't that interesting? I didn't know that. As many as are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Hallelujah. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence... Of things not seen. For by it the elders obtain a good testimony. Oh, testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts And through it, being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. It was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had the testimony that he pleased God. But, so here's the the, the one we really want to focus on. Hebrews 11, 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Oh my goodness, there's so many things we can do. You know, the the journey of faith is a journey of discovering where your dependency actually lies. You know, uh, I've shared this testimony before, but you know, I I was reared, born again, and came into the kingdom in the season of you know, the, the faith movement, right? Which was, uh, however, whatever you think about the faith movement, let me first say this. Faith is biblical. Faith is essential. And most of the teaching that came out of the faith movement is actually completely biblical. And, uh, and you should embrace it. Uh, and I won't say any, any more about that. But faith, it, essentially is this. Faith is your dependency on God, how much do you actually draw from it? Now, I give this illustration at the beginning of the, 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 the morning. Imagine if the rains that refresh the earth in the spring, and, you know, the harvest times, and the, 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 the rains that actually cause the earth to yield its fruit. What if those rains were only made possible through faith? Actually, there's a biblical precedent to suggest that's true. But anyway, we're not going to spend our time verifying that or not. But the illustration is this, is that God is in heaven and he has the ability to do anything. Anything at all. God has the ability to do anything. I mean, the Bible says this. It says anything is possible to God, right? But then it also says everything's possible or nothing's impossible to him that believes there's kind of a strange correlation between those things, right? God can do anything, and anything's possible to him that believes. Why? Because faith draws on the abilities of God. Now, it's interesting, the context of Hebrews, the context of Hebrews here, if you go back to chapter 3 and chapter 4, and we don't have time today, so we're not going to do that too much. But basically, it's this. It, God is, is talking about faith and unbelief. And he's saying, listen. He said, those who did not believe God, who were with Israel, died in the wilderness. And they died because the life-preserving power of God 
was not afforded them. Hello. I mean, in other words, the ability to stay alive, to inherit the promise, was rooted in your ability to pull the life-giving breath of God upon your life, upon your being. And he says to them, he said, he goes a step further and he says this. He says this great, there's this great parallel about something called entering God's rest. He says, listen, faith draws upon the power of God, which makes life easier, basically. It says, it says listen, if, if you believe, then suddenly the things that are against you in your life become non-issues. Uh, non, non if you believe, then something enters your life that causes you to overcome what stops others. I'm not sure, I'm not sure you guys are getting this. No, I, it's not because I want you to yell or anything, but yelling's good. <laughs> turn, to, turn to Genesis. You know, in, in uh, Genesis... Chapter 3, we know what happens here. Adam and Eve were told, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, uh, and of course, they, they do it. And when God comes down, he, uh, he rebukes the serpent because the serpent was part of the, uh, the equation here. He rebukes the woman. Now, realize this. When, when God is telling them, forever live, and in the, in the shadow of my provision, my bounty, my goodness, my life, the essence. I mean, I am goodness. I am life. You could live in the shadow of everything that I am. Or you could go eat of this other tree. And then suddenly you will have the power of self-determination. And the power of self-determination will make, give you choices, uh, make, you, make you know good and evil. And you can choose then every day, instead of just having me, you know, tell you what's right and what's good. And, of course, Adam and Eve did that. They went out and ate that tree. And there's a lot we can say about what happened there. But, but basically, he said to them, what you've done is you had a choice to live under my canopy, and you've decided not to. And so what's come upon creation is a curse. A curse has come on creation because you have invited death into the universe. There was no death until you ate of this tree. Because I told you, the day you eat of it, you're going to die. Death has entered into the creation such that even the creation itself, the land, the trees, the universe, the laws of thermodynamics, all of these things are affected by death. This is what you have chosen. And so, here's how it's going to pan out in your life. It's going to manifest in this kind of Stuff and this and this and this. So this is what God is doing. He's not, he's not, well, you might say, well, yeah, but God, God is the one who set up the equation, right? So in one way, he is visiting upon them the consequences. And of course he is. But the point is, you chose. It's like somebody who said, you know, uh, why would a, I can't believe in a good God who would send people to hell. And, and uh, the response was, well, it's not really so much that a good God is sending people to hell as much as people are choosing to go to hell instead of serve a good God. Why would you do that? Well, this is the question. And this is the question we're left with. And I'm going to narrow it down to our heart of hearts. There is a disposition for us to lean away from God in terms of dependency. And what you got when you got saved is an option to reverse that. It wasn't fully reversed. You have an option to begin to reverse it. You got a seed of the possibilities of that when you got born again. But your whole journey is less drawing on your strength and more drawing on his. So this is, you know, basically in uh, verse 17, God turns his attention to Adam. And he says to Adam, because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and for that time forward, men have never listened to their wives. <laughs> Which wasn't really the issue, was it? <laughs> Always embracing wrong solutions. Because you've heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. Here's what's happening. 
Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it will bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. To dust you are and to dust you shall return. And so basically it's this. It says, it says listen, there was a principle at work in creation that caused everything to run smoothly. It wasn't that Adam and Eve didn't have anything to do because they tended the, and they kept the garden. I mean, they were there. They had stuff to do. But, but the stuff was suddenly made many, many times complicated by an inertia of resistance so that nothing you did could be done easily that it was going to require a level of strength. And without that level of strength, the earth would not cooperate. And so we've been born into a world where nothing works unless you work it hard. And so, you know, we've grown and we've realized that, well, the harder you work and the more diligence you apply to things, you know, you can make it work. And so the people who work hardest and most intelligently, they can prosper more. But, and that's great, and I don't begrudge anybody that kind of blessing. But let me tell you, that's not what the new covenant has provided. The new covenant has provided an elimination of a resistance from a spirit of death that's in creation. That God says, listen, <coughs> what I can provide for you is wind at your back. Instead of running into the wind, the wind was always going, always blowing your way. You know, it doesn't mean you don't do anything, but all of a sudden the things that, you know, the collapse, the tyranny on every effort, the, the breakdowns. The, I mean, have you, do you ever get tired of, of, you know, just seeing the light of day and all of a sudden, crack? Oh, yeah. I'm just about to finally get out of debt. The transmission goes. You know, I mean, it's just this uncanny thing. What? Well, okay, well, I'm a Christian, I believe. How come all of that stuff is not just coming on me? How come my life isn't just easy? I mean, Jesus said this, Come to me, all you are, are, are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Right? Take my yoke upon you. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. Well... Here's the thing. That happens gradually. That happens gradually. That's why there's all these encouragements here about faith. Because faith, faith is a dependency. It is, it is a leaning. It is an orientation either around your strength. When you are born into this earth, you are born with an orientation around what you could do with your own power and your gifts. And of course, those who had more gifts and those who had more resiliency and those who had better, you know, training and equipping to be able to apply those gifts certainly will prosper more. But God is saying, listen, what if I could liberate you from the equation of death that requires that it's your, primarily your effort and your strength and your intelligence to re- reap a harvest? What if faith would draw on the bounty and the blessing of God? What if faith could cause God to breathe on everything you do? I mean, this is what he's talking about. Faith pleases God because it's dependency. It's dependency. Faith leans on the provision of God. Faith puts its hope in who God is. You see, the problem with, with the other side is the pride problem. Is that when you accomplish things and you believe your effort was responsible for them, you glorify yourself. But when you do things and you know that, okay, yeah, I had to do something really, but it was the wind at my back that made this possible. I mean, I... Let me go back to this, this macro picture of wealth 
and the blessing of culture. Because I see people, you know, I, I've heard this argument again and again. People say, you know, what, you tithe? I can't believe you tithe. You're giving 10% of your stuff for the, to the church. It's like, ah, oh, oh man, in Jesus' name, I break the power. That, do you feel that kickback? Oh my goodness. In Jesus' name, God, we war against the mindset that we, through our effort, are making our living. God, we bind the demonic thought and the philosophy that we make our own way in the earth and the resentment and the sense of ownership over the finances that are created. God, in Jesus' name. I mean, this is what I always talk about. People who say, well, you know, I work hard for my money. Yeah, you know who works harder? India. You know who works harder? Africans. In fact, everybody else in the whole world likely works harder than us here in North America. We get, we get reward like this for effort like this. They work like this and they get reward like this. What's the difference? Faith. And so, you know, when people take, you know, claim ownership over their finances, well, you know, okay, I'll give you 10%, God. It's like, what are you talking about? I mean, 99% of what you have is because I breathe on your nation. I believe, breathe on the systems. I breathe on the weather. I breathe on everything. I make justice possible so that you can work and aren't, aren't enslaved. I mean, I keep the dogs of war at bay because of your faith and your allegiance to me. I mean, this, this relationship that we have, you drawing, I'm the one that makes these things possible. So there's this option that we have in, in our hearts. And this is where I want to come back to. Our hearts lean one way or another. And I've shared this testimony before, but when I first started the ministry, and ministry is a great sort of teller. I mean, faith, faith is important in everybody's life. I mean, all of you, if you're running a business, you need faith. Faith is actually what gets you new clients and causes things to, to work well and, and so on and so forth. But when God calls you to literally live by faith, which he called us to do, it meant there was no income. And, uh, but, you know, hey, I, I had all the faith teaching. And I knew all the right things to say. So I'm good, I thought. And so I went with all of my little, you know, cultural philosophies. and You know, we're stepping out in faith. We don't have any income, but God's our source. Except God wasn't my source. My dependency was on other things. I just didn't know it. See, this is the thing, is that the heart is deceitful above all things. It says, who can know it? In other words, the real motives, the real orientation of the heart is masked. And the journey of life shows you how much you actually depend on God. And how much you depend on your own strength. And so God is saying, listen, I want you to begin to actually believe me. I want you to believe me that it's my favor that causes things to work. So, that, yeah, I believe you, God. Uh, so I started our ministry and I started pestering every church I knew to invite me to speak. And finally, it's the welcome mat started to be you know, pulled out from people who were getting annoyed and calling my pastor and telling him, tell him not to call us anymore. <laughs> and uh, I was writing a newsletter, and I was trying to get people to sign up to the newsletter. And, and uh, yeah, I know, we're, we're running out of time here. Uh, we're trying to get people to sign up to the newsletter. And one day the Lord just confronts me and said, you don't believe in me. You believe in the, the mechanics of ministry. And... It was a discovery because I didn't think it was true and I didn't believe it and I was shocked and I was embarrassed because I had made it my aim to be a person of faith. But I realized then that you can have all the right mindsets and still not believe. Do you think the Pharisees thought they didn't believe or do you think they thought they believed? Jesus said to them, your lips speak one thing but your heart speaks another. God is at work in our lives. I, I believe we are on the verge of a shift. I believe 
there are resources that are available for the people of God. Resources not only for blessing your life in material ways, not only for make, bringing you peace, not only for healing you emotionally, not only for creating it possible to have relationships and, and loving connections with other people and your, your, your family, your wife. Your, but, but I believe that the ability to manifest God is about to unfold in a significantly higher way but it's going to take faith. I can't talk about it today, but something happened to me in Africa where I begin, I don't know how to say it, except in this technological way, but the bandwidth of my faith has increased and the bandwidth of unbelief has decreased. And I only have so much bandwidth. Whichever part is given to God is given to God. Whichever part depends on me is given to me. But something has shifted inside of me. And I am believing that in a new way, and that the future of Canada, what God is doing, is He's increasing our faith such that rather than drawing on the power of effort, I mean, there's still things to do, and we never negate that, but that's our confidence. Paul says, We are the circumcision of God who put no confidence in the flesh. What, at the end of the day, do you believe is the reason for your success? We want to we get people saved. But at the end of the day, see, and I, I, I'll belabor this point just for a second. Our evangelism programs are rooted in a confidence that if we just get people to think the right way, they'll start coming to church. To be born again is a miracle. To actually get a person who is dead and connected to God is a supernatural, spiritual occurrence that happens only by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you think acclimatizing somebody to the culture of your church is what actually makes them the Christian, you are sadly mistaken. They have to have a confrontation, an encounter with the Holy One of Heaven. And there's a people that are rising up in the earth who have with them the ability to manifest and draw upon the capacity of the Holy Spirit to make Him known even if you're the one doing the speaking. So, Father, today, we say we want to shift our faith. We want to lean in your direction. We don't want dependency that pleases you. Oh, God, that it's not our well-calculated words, our our well-crafted programs that win the day, but an atmosphere of the Holy Spirit that says God is real. Father, let let an atmosphere emanate from our lives, a scent, an aroma of God that tells those that are dead that they are dead, but gives them the promise of life. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.